is a battle going on today for the heart and soul of America, and the right side must win. It's time for America Can We Talk with Debbie George Addis. On America Can We Talk, we talk truth about America and why it matters to you. America Can We Talk starts now. Well, good evening and welcome. I'm Debbie George Addis. Welcome to my show and to tonight's First Five. First, I want to thank again everyone helping me out with Salem that I'm able to do this show from Oxnard, California. While we're on vacation, it's great to be out here. I appreciate uh, just the help of everyone at Salem, including Kevin Campbell here at the boards and Greg Lindemood back in Dallas at those boards. Well, you know, last week we talked on the show in the first five about what happened in Charlottesville. It had just happened the day before, and so much has happened this week in that story that really goes to the heart and soul of what America is what it means to stand up and speak up for America. And I honestly could do the entire show just talking about that. However, um, I'm not going to do that, but I do want to spend some vitally important time this first five talking about that. What has happened essentially since Charlottesville, that horrible incident in which both sides, yes, both sides, and I'll talk about that in a moment, were engaged in violence What's happened, though, then, since then, is that the media and many people in the American left are trying to convince and perpetu- convince Americans to believe that we are not a great country. They're trying to convince Americans to believe things that are simply not true about America. This is not a racist people. We are not a racist people. We are not a hateful people. We are not a vengeful people. We are a good and decent and generous people, and that's who America is. But our job as conservatives or just lovers of America is to speak up and defend the American people and these impressions or lies the media is trying to portray about America uh, in their coverage of this story. You know, I wanted to also just say about this story, the two sides last week at this horrible event in Charlottesville, Virginia, the KKK with the white supremacists, the Nazi crazies, and the other side is Antifa and related protesters, Black Lives Matter. I'm going to, in the next segment tonight, tell you things you never knew about Antifa. I want you to understand who this group is, because the bottom line is both groups at this rally in Charlottesville are simply un-American. At least a portion of those sides, both sides, who committed violence, who acted angry and attacked other people. Those both sides, whether it's the KKK, et cetera, or the Antifa folks, both sides were un-American. And that's what this battle is really all about. The battle is not blacks versus white. It is not Republican versus Democrat. It's not conservative versus liberal. It's not people who love versus people who hate. It's not those things at all. It is about the right idea of America. It's about America or being anti-American. And both groups at that rally in Charlottesville last night or last week engaged in profoundly un-American behavior. And I'm going to tell you about that because it really matters going forward how we stop these things in the future, how we prevent them, and how we talk about them. You know, the issue really it got way beyond a statue of whether or not a, a statue for, of a Confederate uh, general was to be pulled down or not pulled down. And that is one issue. We're going to talk about that tonight, too, about how in an intelligent society, in a Western civilization, thoughtful, well-informed society, how do we deal with a question like this? You know, do we have statues that seem to memorialize slavery to others they memorialize the, the, our history do we keep them up do we take them down do we i mean those kind of questions they're very legitimate questions 
But what you really are hearing from both sides is an absolute unwillingness to agree the other side is allowed to express an opinion. But back to what the media did this week. The media engaged in absolutely manufacturing outrage in America. Manufacturing outrage against President Trump because they say he did not use the precise words that he should have used in the, at the earliest possible time in discussing the Charlottesville event, that because of that, he is to be denounced and attacked, and even some crazies in Congress are talking about, is this worthy of impeachment or censure? Folks, i got to tell you, this is really going to be a hard issue unless we get on top of it right now and insist as Americans that we are better than the picture the media is trying to present about us better than what the Democrats are trying to say, better than what the haters on both sides are trying to say. So I want to just start with a simple thing. What Trump is being criticized for, he's being criticized because when he was asked about the Charlottesville, uh, and it was a horrible event, and a woman died, and uh, the culprit was clearly a, at least a crazy person, probably a um, white supremacist because he was attacking an Antifa person, But whatever he was, he was a murderer, and he's going to be punished for that. But I want to talk about the issue that was, you know, is is being, uh, which is causing people to say Trump has just been a terrible president, handled this so badly. What he is being criticized for is that when asked about the event, he actually used the expression on many sides. He wouldn't just condemn the white supremacists who, heaven knows, needed to be condemned. They have no place in American political culture, no place on any, in any political party. They are simply evil racists. That's who they are, and that's all that they are. But President Trump, in his remarks, referred to many sides. As it turns out, once all the media hysteria has settled down and more and more people are reading the facts, it turns out that there was indeed extreme violence engaged in by the, uh, by the other side, the, the non-Nazi side, by the Antifa folks, and a lot of uh, co- coverage right after the event by many people saying that it was both sides causing the problem. So, folks, do not get duped. This is not Donald Trump. Donald Trump is being railroaded over this. Texans have a long tradition of independence, and we don't like being told what to do, especially by liberal bureaucrats 1,000 miles away. That's why for 30 years, the Dallas-based Institute for Policy Innovation has fought Washington's efforts to take more of your money and freedom. IPI works every day to keep taxes low and freedom high to promote free market health care, expand energy security, protect intellectual property, and combat onerous regulations that destroy American jobs. Politicians often talk smaller government, but then vote for more of it. By contrast, IPI has never veered from its mission to defend the Constitution and fight for freedom. If you want to be informed about free market policies and solutions, go to IPI's website and sign up. All of their information is free for sharing. Help IPI restore liberty and economic growth. Go to IPI.org today. That's IPI.org. One more time, go to IPI.org today. Hi, this is Debbie George Addis. On my radio show, we have the theme music by Krista Branch that has the refrain, I am America. I chose it because it summarizes what I think is a really important truth about America. We the people are America. We the people are blessed with extraordinary power in our country, and we have to use that power to keep America strong and free for everyone. And how do we do that? We have the responsibility to understand the issues facing our country, 
to get beyond soundbite and slogan politics. We have the responsibility when politicians propose solutions to understand, will those solutions preserve American-style freedom or slowly, incrementally destroy it? We have to vote once we are informed about the issues. But even more so, we have to speak up to our friends, our family members, to speak up in our daily life about the reality that we each have a responsibility and privilege to defend American-style freedom. This is Debbie Georgiatis on America Can We Talk. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. Let me tell you about the group Vice President Mike Pence called the most effective grassroots pro-life organization in America. It's the Susan B. Anthony List, and they're the ones who are on Capitol Hill right now, day in, day out, to fight back against Planned Parenthood and the abortion industry. Every day in our nation, abortion takes more than 2,000 innocent lives, almost two every single minute of every single day. And Planned Parenthood is the largest abortion business in the country, committing one-third of all abortions. It's an unspeakable tragedy and a stain upon our nation and our humanity. And it's up to us to do something about it. This is your opportunity to join the team that's leading the charge to end abortion. Go to sba-list.org or Google Susan B. Anthony List now to learn more and start saving lives today. Can you hear us now? And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I wanted to mention to folks, if you're listening to this show on Facebook Live, which I can see a bunch of you are, so thank you very much. I love that you're doing that. Listen on Facebook Live. Um, you are during the because we're in California during the commercials, you're not hearing the feed. So it probably just sounds like silence. I can talk to you in the commercials. Usually I'm feeding commercials from the board in Dallas. And so you're just hearing what. Uh, but anyway, hi on Facebook Live and I will talk to you in the next break. You know, the, I, I mentioned this whole follow up of Charlottesville. And I just think it's really, really important for everyone really on the liberal side, but still on the conservative side to get the thought, our thought clear about how much the media is manipulating America and how they've done this. You know, the media got all wound up, thought they had Donald Trump on the ropes. They were going to kick him out of office and get him removed over Russia and the hoax and the Russia Trump thing. And that didn't work because there's no story there. They, they're finally figuring out after all this digging and clamoring and making stuff up, there's nothing there. And so now they really thought over this incident, which when you back up and think about it, this whole incident in, Char- in Charlottesville, Virginia, had nothing to do with Donald Trump. It is a bunch of you know, white supremacists whom he has condemned repeatedly, whom he condemned again. 
uh, who didn't want to have a statue taken down. And then it was some Antifa people who it now appears, if you read the news accounts, the police uh, in Charlottesville seem to have gone out of their way to push these two opposing groups together. The uh, white supremacist Nazi types got there, got a permit. They were allowed to be there to protest taking down the Confederate statue. The Antifa folks came bust in. They came to protest. And it seems as there has been actually a Fox News reporter and a police officer speaking on condition of anonymity, but saying the whole setup was very odd because the police were letting the Antifa people very, very close in next to the uh, their enemies, or they would think they're political enemies, and, and then violence ensued, and then the police seemed to stand back. And so I don't know if that'll happen, but I'll say the media is jumping at the next opportunity they, they think they've found to remove Donald Trump from office, and we need to stop letting him, stop even entertaining that idea. I was not a Trump supporter in the primary, but what is happening to him is wrong. And I want to mention another reason why, why I say what's happening to Donald Trump is so wrong. What the media is claim, is complaining about is that Donald Trump uh, did not adequately denounce the or he he would not agree that the only party to have any blame in this incident was the white supremacists. They were they didn't like that he said blame was uh, on many sides. But let me just tell you, there was a great article. In fact, everything we talk about in the show is posted on our Facebook page, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, and it's also on our website, on, on our, um, excuse me, it's on our website, AmericaCanWeTalk.org, and our Facebook page, America Can We Talk. Did you realize that this, this is the entire gripe the media has, is Trump didn't denounce white supremacy harshly enough, even though he did denounce it, and he refused to agree that anyone else, that the only one could be responsible is the white supremacists. But listen to these quotes. This is actually from an article. Derek uh, DeRoy Murdoch had an article, um, and he actually had clips from other news sources talking right at the time of the Charlottesville riot. Uh, he had ACLU, the ACLU, describe the situation as it unfolded via tweet, not sure who provoked first. Both sides were hitting each other at Justice Park before the police arrived. They go on to describe both parties involved in this altercation. Reuters reported many of the rally partici- participants, talking about the Nazi side, the white supremacist side, were seen carrying firearms, sticks, and shields. Some also wore helmets. Counter-protesters, the Antifa, you know, the, white, the ones who oppose white supremacists, the ones in media are trying to act like they're innocent little lambs. The counter-protesters, likewise, Antifa, came equipped with sticks, helmets, shields. Uh, NBC talked about witnesses say both sides came prepared for a fight. Folks, I could spend the whole rest of the show reading all the website, all the news sites that report at the time that what was happening in Charlottesville was that both parties were engaged in battling each other And it was not as though Antifa came with flowers and roses and singing Kumbaya and the um, white supremacists were uh, were violent. Both sides are evil, un-American and deserve blame. And that's all Trump was trying to say. And he's not being permitted to say it because the left cannot have their Antifa movement mocked by the media. And which turns me to what I want to talk to you about, which is so important to understand. The media continues to try to portray Antifa which is the anti-fascist, so they got a good name, they're against fascism, except they engage in fascism all the time. But they try to portray Antifa as the innocent lambs being harassed by the uh, very, very evil, uh, and they are very evil, white supremacists. But I want you to realize the depth of not just the evil thinking behind Antifa, but who's funding this? 
And so just backing up again to Donald Trump's when he was inaugurated in January, you probably recall left wing organizers flooded into Washington on buses. They were the advertising ahead of time told them they were going to come to Washington to shut down the inauguration, paralyze the city. They were offered free food, free housing, legal assistance in case of arrest. And they came loaded with weapons. Where do you think these left-wing goofballs acquired the money to have weapons? And, and who is paying for all of this entire movement? And the reason I raise this is because Black Lives Matter was right in the middle of this movement. And Black Lives Matter has been funded by none other than George Soros to the tune of, it, of well over half a million dollars, along with having the Ford Foundation pledging another $100 million to fund Black Lives Matter and Antifa. So understand, these are pay- bought and paid for very, very serious, very, very, um, you know, anti-American forces behind Antifa. Antifa is also, there was a great, great story I want to encourage you to read on Breitbart about that CNN tried to do a report about, well, who are these Antifa people? Are these just a bunch of nice folks that are just trying to stand up against the evil white supremacists? And it's really important to understand what Antifa thinks about itself. When Antifa people talking to CNN describe who they are, they tell CNN they are left-wing protesters who have been driven into violence in an effort to achieve peace, they tell CNN, we believe we are entitled to, we believe it's right for us to uh, engage in violence against anyone who commits violence against us or anyone who engages in speech we see as hateful. So they are the self-proclaimed, we get to attack people, we get to um, you know, engage in violence because we are claiming the moral superiority of Antifa. So they also, if you understand Antifa too, it didn't just crop up because Donald Trump won the election. It didn't just crop up in America. Antifa, the name is taken and the connection is there from America's Antifa forces back all the way uh, to Germany, for, to Nazi Germany. Anti-fascist forces and the black bloc tactic originated in Nazi Germany, resurfaced in the United Kingdom in the 1980s. Large number of Antifa activists first appeared in the U.S., in the anti-World Trade Organization protests in 1999 in Seattle and more recently in the Occupy Wall Street. These people are not all about just standing up against white supremacism. They are a very organized anti-American force. They very specifically are anti-corporation, anti what they call elitists. These are, it's a very violent group that simply, and had they been involved in violent clashes throughout the U.S. and around the world, Chicago, Philadelphia, Houston, Alabama, Nebraska, at the G20 summit. And they are in an odd and not good way, hard to track. They don't have a designated leader, but they have Antifa spokesmen who will talk to media. They absolutely say their violence is self-defense, against hate speech. This is a quote from one of the people from CNN, uh, from uh, Antifa to CNN. Their violence that they are permitted to engage in is self-defense against hate speech and against people with whom they disagree. Antifa activists do not hesitate to destroy property, which they see as the incarnation of unfair wealth distribution. This is an organized, bought, and paid-for movement, so do not be swayed by the American media 
trying to act like Antifa is a bunch of very sweet young college children who are just simply trying to stand up against hate speech. These are people who are absolutely dedicated to destroying many core elements of America, such as free markets and people who and the accumulation of businesses, successful businesses. And this this risk, why this is so dangerous is these people have the protection of the media and of the American left and. Uh, and this is not ending now. So I will, actually, I, I, what I do want to try to end with, uh, last segment, I was going to say I got cut off because I think I went too long. I what, meant to read something in the beginning. I want to kind of loop back to it now because after the break, we have a new topic and we have a guest joining us. But one thing I wanted to mention at the start of the uh, show was a quote from Ben Sass, Senator Ben Sass, who is concerned about the future outbreak of violence. He says, let's teach our kids why our First Amendment society fights with debate, not violence. Teach them that standing and threatening mobs doesn't mean standing up for America. Teach them that white supremacy is a cancer to our nation. He, Ben Sass, and many others are concerned that we are looking forward to oncoming more violence in America. I'm telling you, listeners, we're going to go back to it after this next interview. We have to be the ones standing up for America. Okay, so our next interview, Karen Agnes from Independent Women's Forum. Totally new topic, making sure women are counted among leaders in America. Our nation faces a choice, the path of big government based out of Washington or the unique brand of liberty and prosperity enjoyed here in Texas. For 27 years, the Texas Public Policy Foundation has helped leaders in the Lone Star State prove that fiscal restraint and small government can deliver opportunity and prosperity for all. The Texas Public Policy Foundation promotes and defends solutions here and around the country based on liberty, free enterprise, and personal responsibility, whether informed the national debate on property rights, energy, taxes, education, or criminal justice, the foundation works to translate ideas into real change. The Texas Public Policy Foundation does not accept government funds or contributions to influence the outcome of its research. It is supported by thousands of people like you who are concerned about the future of our country. You can help Texas remain strong as the beacon of liberty in America. Visit TexasPolicy.com to learn more. If you want to get at the issues that really matter for women and men, go to IWF.org. That's the Independent Women's Forum. IWF is all about increasing the number of American women who value free markets and personal liberty. IWF's motto is all issues are women's issues. They bring a fact-based approach to politics, policy, and culture. When the left tried to peddle a phony war on women, IWF shot back with facts and figures. American women aren't victims in need of ever-increasing government protection. And IWF doesn't think things are perfect, but they believe that individual liberty is the key to prosperity and fulfillment. Along with their sister organization, Independent Women's Voice, IWVoice.org, which is a leader in the fight against Obamacare, they offer policy papers, op-eds, and a popular blog on issues of the day. So visit IWF at IWF.org. That's IWF.org. If there's one thing the conservative movement needs, it's a leader. And we have one, the Heritage Foundation. Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Heritage gets in the trenches on Capitol Hill. 
They promote principled solutions directly to lawmakers in Washington. And unlike politicians, they don't waver or compromise. But they're not a Washington institution. There are nearly a half million heritage members and supporters in America. And they're on a mission to grow that number and build the conservative base. You can become a Heritage member by going to joinheritage.org today. I've been a member of Heritage myself for years. I have Heritage experts on my show, and I rely on their analysis to get the facts out. As a member, you'll get updates from Heritage Foundation on the fight for conservative solutions to America's challenges. Plus, you'll receive exclusive invitations to conservative events where you live. So join the growing movement. Find out more at joinheritage.org. That's joinheritage.org. Do you know that one in nearly five United States residents lives in an immigrant household? That we take in more than one million new legal immigrants every year? Studying the impact of federal immigration program is the mission of the Center for Immigration Studies, the nation's only think tank looking at the broad national effect of immigration policy. Whether it's on crime, welfare, national security, or the job market, CIS digs out information about immigration from government sources, translates it into English, and makes it available to the public, the news media, and policymakers in Washington. Check out its work at CIS.org. CIS makes the case for better enforcement against illegal immigration and lower levels of legal immigration in the future. Most other special interest groups pursue the opposite. The only thing standing between them and open borders is an informed public. Get informed and stay informed by visiting CIS.org. That's CIS.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. I'm so glad you've tuned in tonight. And as I mentioned before our break, we have a guest joining us uh, via phone. We have Karen Agnes joining us. She is a senior fellow at the Independent Women's Forum and also the founder of Network of Enlightened Women. So, hi, Karen. Good evening. How are you? Just great. So glad to have you. You know, um, I this show used to be called Ladies Can We Talk, and um, I change the name to America Can We Talk, really, because the show is for everyone. It's not just for women, and it's conservative and all that, you know, messages for everyone. But I just love honoring, encouraging uh, conservative women to be um, outspoken and to speak up for what they believe in, to be politically active. And so uh, you, you, you do those things so well. Uh, so, Well, thank you very much. And I think it's you know, empowering women, that's something that we can all celebrate and all, all get around, both men and women alike. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I'd love to have you start with just telling our listeners, you formed something called the Network of Enlightened Women. Uh, would you tell our listeners about that? Yes. So back when I was a student at the University of Virginia, I looked on campus for a group for conservative women. There were a number of women's organizations, but what I found was that they were not open to more conservative women. I actually went to our women's center at one point and asked a faculty member there if they would be interested in co-sponsoring a a new group for conservative women. And you know what her response was? She just looked at me like I was crazy and started laughing in my face. (laughs) Oh, my God. Gosh, gosh. Well, as if as if you couldn't be a conservative and a woman like it was just perplexing to her, that whole idea. 
And unfortunately, that's that's the attitude that we see on a lot of these college campuses. And I think that's why NU has taken off. So we started it at the University of Virginia, and now it's spread to campuses and to young women across the country because there's a real demand and a, and a real need for an alternative to the the modern feminism that is being pushed on young women on campus these days. I love that you did that. And so what are the, besides that you have the organization, so at least pull women together who have similar political views, what kinds of activities do you do? Does new sponsor on campuses? Yeah. So it started first and foremost as a book club because we realized that uh, conservative women and conservative ideas were just being left out of the classroom. And so we wanted to get those, get those ideas in the hands of students. But what we found is they often wanted to educate their larger campus communities. So they host debates and speakers. And in addition to that, the national organization hosts a number of programs. We host a national conference in D.C. each summer, uh, a gentleman's showcase, where as we started the segment talking about men and women, uh, this is a great event where we honor college men who are gentlemen, recognizing that we don't need a war between men and women, we're better off if we all get along and support each other and demonstrate mutual respect. Love that thought. Okay, so if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Karen Agnes. She is the founder of Network of Enlightened Women, and she's also a senior fellow at Independent Women's Forum, an organization that um, advertised on this show. I, I uh, regularly have different of their guests speak, uh, inter- you know, talk to us about different issues. So, Karen, though, you had something, and I want to mention to our listeners, too, uh, this past Friday, like two days ago, was actually the 97th anniversary of the passage of the 19th Amendment, which gave women the right to vote. Isn't that, so, yay, that's a wonderful thing. We have, you've had the vote coming up in almost 100 years. And you wrote a piece for Forbes, uh, which I thought was great, and it was kind of talking well, about— <laughs> Well, it was really good. It's up, as, again, my, our listeners, we have all the things we talk about are, listed, are up on our America Can We Talk dot org website and on our facebook page america can we talk and this is a particular a good one because i think as you alluded to just like the college person that you went and talked to and she kind of couldn't imagine the need for a, a group that was conservative f- for women it didn't seem to make any sense to her i think there's still a lot of people who think that in politics mainly uh you know the women's uh role in politics is kind of is on the liberal side and you can make a pitch to women on one or two issues and that'll get their vote on the liberal side do you think that's true that a lot of politicians think that way? Unfortunately, I think a lot of politicians on the left just assume that the women's vote will go left. And what women want today is, you know, bigger government, a more intrusive government. Uh, so that's why, in part, I wrote the piece, because I think it's important that conservative women and those who advocate for policies that maximize freedom and really put the choices back in the hands of communities and and local governance um, speak out and celebrate uh, women and don't just sort of concede the women's empowerment holidays or the, you know, women's vote to the left. Uh, We, our women fought for those rights too, and we should be out there celebrating and making the case that our policies are actually better for women. 
That's exactly, you know, I, my husband was asking me in the way, we're in California, by the way, on vacation, and my husband drove me down to the studio uh, here in Oxnard, and we were talking the way down about this interview, and he said, have you ever sent uh, Karen your book? I don't think so. I wrote this book uh, called Ladies Can We Talk, and it was making the argument that you're saying that conservative principles are better for women and everyone, that conservative, limited government, uh, more freedom, more free enterprise, just, just the whole uh, milieu of freedom is better for women. And so um, I, I will send you that book. But I, anyway, in your article that was in Forbes celebrating the uh, 97, we had 97 years of the right to vote, I thought it was clever the way you went about it because you were making the point by interviewing different people that what drives different women's votes are, are different issues. So you have, for example, and you went, of course, with Carrie Lucas. I can't find it right now. I'm talking about her. Carrie Lucas, president of Independent Women's Forum, talking about health care as her top issue. So I, I love that whole way you went about doing this article, getting different leader women who are leaders saying what drives their vote. Yeah, and Carrie and IWF has done a lot of great work on health care. Uh, and there's other women quoted, you know, on education to economic policies. So just showcasing that we all have different, you know, issues that drive us, um, but one common thread uh, should be thinking through, okay, how is that really going to impact um, our lives, and how is that going to impact our opportunity to live the lives that we want? How does that maximize our freedom? Um, and thinking through those consequences, because often you find on the left, they can promise a lot, but we've really got to think it through. What, what are those consequences going to be? Yep. You know, I love one thing that you had in this article, and I will turn, you had actually two recent articles in Forbes. I want to turn to the other one in a minute, but in this article celebrating the women uh, getting the right to vote in 1920 through the 19th Amendment, you featured different women leaders. One I thought was, I've never heard of this, within the NRA, uh, there's a woman named Natalie Foster, host of Love at First Shot. Okay, <laughs> that's pretty funny, <laughs> right? And she's, yeah, she was basically saying, I'm all about, def- I want our, our ability to defend our country. Yeah, yep. and everybody's got, everybody's got their issue, um, and that that's great, right? Like different things motivate different people. Um, but as conservatives and as conservative leaders, we've got to be able to draw the threads together and make the case that overall, you know, conservative policies, those that focus on, um, you know, responsibility, personal responsibility, and fiscal responsibility, and maximizing freedom, those are actually going to be the best um, for all of us, including women. Yeah, love that. And the last one point on this article, then we'll turn to your other one. But uh, you, well, I have had, I've had Heather McDonald on my show a couple of times, uh, and she's just marvelous. And I like her quote. She just said, I vote not as a conservative woman, but as a conservative. Ideally, any voter should seek to return the country to the merit, meritocratic principle. She always uses big words. Meritocratic principle and to replace identity politics with a focus on personal responsibility. I mean, that a guy could have said that. I love that. She just is saying <laughs> conservative ideas. So that, that was a great article, and I love celebrating that. So your other article you had in Forbes, I wanted to just touch on, and now we only have a couple of minutes left in this segment, but you wrote an article called Excluding Conservatives from Female Empowerment Campaigns is Bad Politics, Bad Business. Why did you write that? Well, it seems like a lot of um, liberal women um, and those who are in business, so liberal businesswomen, have figured out that there is a market for selling women's empowerment products. Yet, they seem to sometimes want to exclude conservative women. Um, and to me, just like the headline, that, that seems like both bad politics and bad um, business. Um, and the example here is Goldie Blocks, a company that 
self-proclaimed all about empowering women um, or empowering girls to take up engineering. Um, and so they have a number of products geared toward them. They're not pink. You know, they have marketing, um, trying to get more young girls to get into engineering. Yet they put out a video um, that's supposed to be a women's empowerment video. And the first segment of it, you know, the first image you see is girls pretending to be marching at the women's march, which we know was not a broad-based uh, movement in terms of ideological perspective, but instead was really a leftist movement. Uh, so I think I think it's a mistake for them to exclude conservatives because uh, we all want to empower young girls to choose the careers uh, that they want to choose. We sure do. And you know, this segment it went by too quickly. I want to thank you so very much for calling in tonight. Karen Agnes, thank you so much. Love your articles. Love IWF. We'll have you on again soon. Thank you so much. Thank you. And this, Debbie George Jazz, America Can We Talk. Come right back. America faces unprecedented threats to our national security. The Center for Security Policy, based in Washington, D.C., is a national leader focused on the organization, management, and direction of public policy coalitions to promote U.S. national security. The Center is a special forces in the war of ideas dedicated to identifying opportunities and challenges likely to affect American security and acting promptly to ensure that they are the subject of focused national examination and effective action. The Center enlists support from executive branch officials, key legislators, and other public policy organizations and brings these teams together to develop and shape policies that will keep America safe. Check out centerforsecuritypolicy.org for the latest news and developments brought to you by America's leading security experts. Becoming and remaining informed is one of the best ways every citizen can be a part of the mission to keep America safe. That's centerforsecuritypolicy.org. There is a lot of talk today among media, in academia, in our culture, about everything that is supposedly wrong with America. Political correctness tries to dictate that we must stop thinking that America is exceptional. America's bravest have our back in the air, at sea, and on land. But who has America's back in the culture? In schools, on cable television, in newspapers? It's time to end the greatest prejudice on earth, anti-Americanism. And who makes the case for America? Flag does. Flag is the foundation for liberty and American greatness. Flag has America's back on the cultural battlefield. Flag is a nonprofit battle tank working to change the cultural and media narrative about America. If you think it's time to stand up for America, join the Foundation for Liberty and American Greatness. Your support of Flag is an investment in the America your children will inherit. Visit their website at flagusa.org and consider donating. All donations are 100% tax deductible. That's flagusa.org. Could you lose your career because of your faith? Could your pastor be sued because of his sermons? Can students and teachers be punished because of what they believe about God? Can the government or even your employer force you to violate your beliefs? Get the answers and, if necessary, legal protection from First Liberty Institute. First Liberty is the nation's largest legal organization dedicated exclusively to restoring religious freedom in America. In fact, First Liberty's nationwide network of top attorneys win over 90% of their cases. They've won at the Supreme Court all the way down to local schools. 
Visit FirstLiberty.org to learn more about how First Liberty is protecting religious freedom for all Americans in the workplace, public schools, your church, the military, and more. That's FirstLiberty.org. If you want hope for religious freedom and a free listing of your rights, go to FirstLiberty.org now. Attention Ronald Reagan fans. What is the one item most sought after by Americans who love the Gipper? It's Young America's Foundation's Reagan Ranch Calendar. Young America's Foundation is the leading youth outreach organization dedicated to ensuring that increasing numbers of young Americans understand and are inspired by the ideas of individual freedom, a strong national defense, free enterprise, and traditional values. New audiences of young people across the country are introduced to conservative ideas through Young America's Foundation's programs, including the Reagan Ranch Program. The Reagan Ranch calendar contains spectacular images of the Gipper enjoying his beautiful 688-acre ranch, the Western White House. For a limited time, the calendar is free. Even shipping is free. To receive your beautiful Reagan Ranch calendar from Young America's Foundation, call 800-USA-1776 and mention the phrase Reagan Gift. Again, the number is 1-800-USA-1776 and Reagan Gift is the code. Learn more about Young America's Foundation at www.yaf.org. That's yaf.org. And welcome back to America Can We Talk. Uh, just want to say thank you again to Independent Women's Forum, Karen Agnes, founder of Network of Enlightened Women and author of articles, just kind of advocating for conservative women to be involved in politics. Um, and her organization, NEW, continues today. You can look it up online. Uh, so grateful to her. Okay, so back to what we were talking about tonight on Charlottesville. You know, I was, um, I just think it's almost impossible to overstate, first of all, how much damage the left is trying to inflict on President Trump and how much of it could be reversed by a thoughtful, engaged, uh, substantive answer and and just understanding by the American people. Because we really are at a point where I think the left is thinking that a lot of what they are are accomplishing is is really the undermining of President Trump's ability to uh, carry his agenda forward. And it is just it it is egregious. You know, if the if the left wants to fight about Trump's agenda and they want to argue about whether or not to build a wall, whether or not to try to repatriate all our tax money that's abroad, what tax rate should apply, whether we need to make changes in entitlement programs, how to deal with getting rid of Obamacare or in some way repealing it. All those things are valid issues and they are what Trump ran on. I think the core thing is the Democrats don't really have answers to any of those. They don't have answers that satisfy the American people. They don't have answers with respect to containing radical Islam in America. So their answer is to fight him, first to make up the whole argument about uh, Russia and Trump and the whole thing was a setup. That's, that has fallen apart. In fact, if you go to the American Can We Talk Facebook page, there was a very funny meme someone put up with Tom Hanks from his role in, um, what's that movie called? Forrest Gump. <laughs> My husband's sitting here. That's nice. Forrest Gump, where he's just, and all of a sudden, they just stopped talking about Russia and Trump because there's nothing there. So now they have this going, and it's just, it's really important to understand. And I'm going to tell you something that's happening in this whole discussion. What the media has tried to set up and the left has tried to set up is you have to agree with exactly what they say on the subject of whose fault the Charlottesville riot was and whose fault any other issues. You have to agree or else they're going to label you a Nazi. 
In fact, there was an incident this past week on Fox, uh, not uh, on Fox television, where they had a panel where uh, apparently one of the panel members got teary, said, I can't even say what I would like to say without being called a racist. I, I can't even speak. This is what the left is trying to do. And it's really, really important that you understand their mission is very much to shut down conversation on any issue, especially harping back to Charlottesville one more time. I urge you to read on the American Thinker website. There was an article by Clarice Feldman today. I could just spend this whole show reading it out loud to you, but I won't. But the point of, I'm telling you is, it lays out all the pieces of information that help you realize, A, Antifa is simply a thug organization. Now, I will say, I'm sure there are young, innocent college students who joined Antifa because they really, really want to stand up against white supremacism. Okay. And there are probably people who went to the rally in Charlottesville wanting to oppose taking down the Confederate statue who don't have anything to do with the KKK and Nazis and white supremacists. They just, they, they happen to agree with them that the statue should not be taken down. So there are innocent people who get sucked in on both sides of this, but the core element of Antifa is a truly dangerous thing in America. They actually believe they're allowed to use violence, extortion, suppression of, of free speech, so long as they do it with a kind of a sufficient level of self-righteousness and virtue signaling and moral superiority, and everyone has to say, okay, then I guess we just can't really say what we think. So, you know, we need to decide as Americans, are we going to result? We, because there are people very worried about the future of race relations in this country, and that kind of leads me to something I, I wanted to mention. You know, there just wasn't enough time there isn't enough time to discuss all these issues, but I wanted to mention one thing about the size of the uh, white supremacist movement in this country. I think I said this last week, but it bears repeating. You would think, listening to CNN and the other extreme leftist, you know, sabotage media, that America is about half split between the good and virtuous people who believe in equality and the hateful supremacists who don't want any, you know, who, who are white supremacists. The real truth is, even if you are really careful and try to draw in, you know, the most edgy kind of groups that maybe, maybe not should be considered white supremacists, we're talking like maybe 20,000 people. I mean, I wish it was zero people, but that is zero point zero zero six percent of America. This is beyond a fringe lunatic group. They have nothing to do with either political party in this country. They have no home in the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or anywhere else. And they don't belong in America. That's why I say Charlottesville is about your be is, is you're either in support of America or you're anti-American. And so that's true of the supremacists, and it's true of Antifa. Antifa is not an innocent Girl Scout organization coming to share cookies and flowers and talk about can't we all love each other. They are about, they feel authorized, legitimized to commit violence, and they are well-funded by sources who are profoundly un-American, which starts with George Soros, who has founded them and, and dozens of other groups that in turn go ahead and fund groups like Antifa, Black Lives Matter. So I want to just tell you, folks, there was a, a lot of commentary this week uh, on this show, on this um, subject. I want to play one clip because Alan West, you know, who's a good friend of this show, uh, been the show many times, he was interviewed somewhere and I, he talked about what happened in Charlottesville. And I want to play his clip. Uh, Greg, Greg, who's in Dallas, I assume you're there. Greg, I want to play clip three. What are your thoughts on the Charlottesville protest? Uh, there's been a lot of controversy, as you know, about the incident, about the president Trump's look, response. Look, the bottom line is this. 
Ku Klux Klan, the neo-Nazis, the white supremacists, the Antifa, the Black Lives Matter, they're all wrong. We don't need violence to try to solve the problems of this country. And we don't need that racial divisiveness to solve the problems of this country. We need people that can unite us and get us to understand who we are as Americans. In, in that partic particular instance, um, are you willing to put both sides on an equal moral plane in Charlottesville? Well, this is what I want to, you know, when we talk about moral plane, if you were there to instill violence and vomit violence and, and talk about divisiveness, then you are on the same moral plane. I hate to say that, but that's the truth. And we need to come to that recollection. The same type of emotion that caused an individual to, to shoot, you know, Republican members of Congress and my former colleague Steve Scalise, it's the exact same emotion. I don't care what side of political spectrum you're on. I don't want to see this divisiveness. I don't want to see this violence. Okay, Alan West. Sorry, that was a really noisy segment. And for a Facebook listener, sorry, we... Um, I'm going to put a link up to that on Facebook when we're done so you can hear what Alan West said. It was really profound, really good. He just given a speech. I think he was given an award. Um, but, you know, this is a, a patriot who is saying you have to lump all these violent people together. And that's what part of what I'm trying to say in the show tonight. Um, and so there's a lot of political blame to go around for what for, you know, um, how we've gotten here and what's going on. And I'm going to talk in the second hour about the actual Confederate monuments themselves. But I just can't pass up the opportunity to make a comment about Mitt Romney. Okay, I voted for him because he was the only American choice, in my view, on the ballot, because I can't vote for socialists, which is what the Democrat Party is. Across the board, whether it's Hillary, Barack Obama, or any other candidate, I can't vote for Democrats. And so here I am. So I voted for Mitt Romney, but he put out the most truly just, I, I mean, if you ever needed a clue of why he could not win the presidency, why he's not in touch with the political situation in America, Mitt Romney put out a tweet about the Charlottesville disaster and said, having created a national inflection point of consequence, POTUS must apologize and repudiate the racists. And he actually specifically wanted to say in a separate tweet, you're answering somebody, that Antifa was not to be criticized. No criticism of Antifa. It's only the one side that can be criticized. And he says, you know, one side's racist, bigoted Nazis. That's true. You know, the white supremacists are. He says, the other side opposes racism and bigotry. I'm sorry. You have to be from Mars. If you, th if, if you are putting a tweet out and you're a national level person and you can't figure out that Antifa is a very, very problematic organization, and, and Siri, he was just, he went on, I mean, I, I can't read the whole thing, but he went on, did a long blog post, just so disappointing, does not have a clue what time it is in America. He is, he is absolutely happily joining in with a pile on Trump crowd. And, and again, you know, I wanted to say something about what Trump said, because there's been so much talk about people talking about what President Trump said, and he didn't say it well enough. He shouldn't say it. He should have said something different. I'm going to play a few of the segments later, but I just want to tell you what he actually said about this incident. Again, the entire criticism of the left is that Trump would not agree that the only bad actor in Charlottesville was the white supremacist, that he actually said no, many sides, which now I'm going to say may include the police who failed to take charge of the incident. Incident, in fact, may have may have caused it to um, flare more than it needed to. But here's what he said. Here's this, this is President Trump. As I said on Saturday, we condemn in the strongest possible terms this egregious display of hatred, bigotry, and violence. 
It has no place in America. As I've said many times, no matter the color of our skin, we all live under the same law. We all salute the same great flag. We're all made by the same almighty God. We must love each other, show affection for each other, unite together in condemnation of hatred, bigotry, and violence. And he specifically said, racism is evil, and those who cause violence in its name are criminals and thugs, including the KKK, neo-Nazis, white supremacists, and other hate groups. Okay, I'm telling you guys, and Alan West said it later in a clip I had to cut off because I just couldn't, but... It wouldn't have matter what Trump said. The media and the Democrats thought they had a way to, to embarrass him. They thought they had a way to undermine him. And so it didn't matter how much Trump said, how frequently he said it, how well he said it. It didn't matter. They were going to decide, we think we got you on this one. And we know, we the left know, when we pounce on racism... You know, America jumps. Every No one likes to be accused of racism. It's the most horrible accusation possible. And no one likes – it's impossible to defend against, to say, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. And they know it riles people up. This is why it is so evil what the media is doing in this country. They are – back to my opening points – they are trying to cause us to conclude maybe America is more of a racist place than I knew. Maybe there really is a problem here I didn't see before. You know, and, and folks, we have to stand up against Against that, America is a good, noble country filled. 90, if you even look at those statistics, 99.999% of Americans are not anything like the crazy of either side of the crazy crowd that you saw when you, we were, you were watching all the news about Charlottesville. And if we cannot, and we need to say that to each other, we need to insist on America's goodness, tell that to our friends, insist that we are not going to go, we're not going to march to the media's drum, we're not going to sing their tune, we're going to stand up for the goodness and greatness and the unique greatness of America. I'm Debbie Georges, this is America Can We Talk. We come back, I'm going to tell you all about what Steve Bannon's departure means. Talk to you next hour. <laughs> 